0: Welcome to the Sunset Community Church podcast. You're listening to sermon audio from our Sunday morning services. For more information about Sunset Community Church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church. Good morning, Sunset. Our scripture today is from Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10 to 11. And it says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread to the eater, so it is So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Please welcome Alex as he comes to share the word. All right, good morning, church. How are we doing? Good. Are you freezing yet? (laughs) You're not freezing? All right, God is good. God is good. Amen. I'm so grateful to stand before you today and to be able to bring the word of God. And it's my prayer that our time together will be such rewarding encouraging, above all, inspiring. Amen. So, Father, we want to thank you for this day. We want to thank you, God, for your presence. We pray that as you get us through your word, that you may speak to our hearts, give us understanding where we need to understand, give us clarity where we need clarity. Above all, through it all, may you draw us close to you. In this name we pray. Amen. So I'll be sharing from Isaiah 55 verse 10 through 11. There are two verses. But before I do, I would like to give a background of what's happening. Isaiah 55 is a consolation oracle in which God breathes promise to a group of people who had gone through difficult times in their lives. The Israelites, the Israelites um, found themselves in a situation whereby they were taken into Babylon as uh, captives while there, they experienced trauma. They had watched their city get burned down People were killed, and who were left over, we were carried off as captives into exile. Part of their going there was their doing, because most of the time, God was calling them back to himself and didn't listen. They were caught up in worshipping idols. So somehow, God gave them into their desires, they were taken into Babylon where worshipping idols at some time was compulsory. And when that happened, they didn't like it. So in this kind of status, this kind of circumstances they were in, God speaks to them a word, promising them that there is a hope. He invites them he says in verse 1, Come, all ye who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you have no money, come and drink. So God is breathing promise in this kind of desperate situation. He tells them, Seek me while I may still be found. He tells them to change their ways and return to him. So all this is doing to bring them back to himself where they were meant to be. Where there was livelihood. They depended on Him. But because of their circumstances and what they had gone through, somehow they were, in my view, skeptical about this promise. Somehow they doubted God's promise. And so God tells them about His word. He tells them that as the rain comes, as the rain and snow come down from heaven, and not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that the yields seed the sower and bread to the eater, so is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I send it. Amen? So God is affirming his word. I could get this going, that would be good. So, this is the background of what was going on. God speaking to his people. And so today, thank God, okay. I'll be speaking to us uh, on the following five points. Each of them takes one hour, so... Uh, we're going to be in here for about five hours. We have lunch provided, so don't worry. <laughs> Amen? But I pray that God helps me go through this as he was ministering to me in my uh, study. I'll be talking about justification for my approach to scripture. I'll talk about the consistency of God's word, the attitude towards God's word, The purpose of God's word as we may perceive it, and then talking about God's desire and God's purpose. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right. (laughs) So justification for my approach. These are two lines, these are two verses in scripture out of a full chapter and out of the entire Bible. And many times, when we read God's word, we are tempted to find something that gives us encouragement. And as we do, sometimes, we read these things out of context. Amen? And so, these are two verses that could easily be taken out of context. Because if they speak to what you are longing for, you may think that's all there is to the verse. But yet, we As people should always study the Bible, God's word, within its context. Because that way, we can avoid misinterpretation, misunderstanding. Amen? Why? Because if you misinterpret something or misunderstand something, no matter how sincere you are in your belief, you are believing the wrong thing. Amen? If you misinterpret scripture, you might be sincere, but in as long as you didn't get it right, you are wrong in your belief. So it's important to read God's word within its context. Amen? Secondly, I'm using this approach because many of us might have read the scripture, and you have a context in which you know the scripture. And my context may be not in alignment with your context. That's cause of a disagreement. Once again, you have to understand my presentation today from my context, not yours. Amen? Is <laughs> that encouraging? Is <laughs> it encouraging? <laughs> All right. The thing is, it's always important to keep things in context. Amen. In other conversations, as we talk to each other, we want what we say to be understood in its context. Because if it's not, that's cause for disagreement, that's cause for problems. Amen. In looking at this scripture, or at the word of God, there is a way that we are told to look at context. One of them is, we have to look at scripture in the lenses of the person's intent while they were communicating. Secondly, we have to look at the cultural context in which that scripture or that word was spoken. And sometimes we look at the history. All this is just designed to help us get some context. Amen? But here we have a scripture that, in my view, is so unique that our traditional approach to context may not apply to it. Because this scripture is about God speaking about his word. And it seems to me that in this scripture, God is the context. Man, because it says, So is my word. That's him, right? From my mouth, that's him. To me, again, that's him. I desire. I sent it. So all those words that kind of describe what it's all about are referencing God. Amen? So I believe that this scripture is unique in that context. So it won't fit in our understanding of context. Amen? Amen? So because of that, allow me and I seek your permission to share what I'm going to share because this is a unique text, amen? Are you comfortable now? All right, so let's move on. It says, as the rain and the snow come down, that's verse 10. And in this reference, I want to speak about the consistency of God's word. We all have had an experience with rain and snow, and we know it comes from the sky down, right? That's obvious. However, when I was studying this scripture, because there's no context, I felt drawn to fully go and study the characteristics of rain and snow. I'm going to speak from that vantage point. Because when God says something that is objective for us to study, we should take time to go and study that subject or that object because it's available to us. And whatever we find in that, sub- in that object will give us more understanding to what God is communicating. Amen? So here he says, as the rain and the snow come down, we know that that will always happen. So there's consistency in how rain and snow behaves. Amen? Then he says, when they, when, they come, when they come down, they water the earth. Again, something, whenever it rains, whenever it snows, that is going to happen. Amen? So we look at this text. Trust God's word and know that God's word will always be consistent. Amen? But also, there is something more to the rain and the snow. Rain and snow are simply means by which water comes from the sky to the earth. Rain and snow are means by which water comes from the sky to the earth. Amen? And they are different in appearance. When you touch them, when you try to feel them, they are different in appearance. However, when they land on the earth, they are consistent in what they do. So in other words, they are both the same thing. Amen? That is important to us. Why? Because the Word of God comes to us in many forms. To some people, it might be a dream. Amen? To others, it may be a vision. Some people it will be just reading the Word of God. Others, it may be conversation with other people. Some nature lovers may go in the fields, in the mountains, and while they're there, They see this incarnation of God, and all that, God speaks to them. The thing is, there are different forms through which God speaks to us, but the message will always be consistent to his character, who he is, and his principles. Amen. Amen? So those will never change. The forms may be different, but those will always be consistent. Amen? but more to the snow and rain coming down. We know that they behave differently depending on the surface they land on. Amen? When topography is inclined, rain is run water. Snow which kind of just slide to the bottom of the topography, the slope. But nevertheless, wherever they pass, they will still water that environment. Why is this important to us? The word of God is our livelihood. Many of us have people that we love who have not come to the faith yet. We love them dearly, we speak to them every single day. But As we speak to them, we find ourselves kind of discouraged because we don't seem to see any change in their lives. And At some point, we almost give up. Well, this scripture kind of is here to encourage us, because when rain comes down and it falls on good soil, that soil absorbs the water and will go through. When rain comes and falls on a rock, it won't stay long; it's gone. So in that case, God in His Wisdom prefers that in the hard places, snow should fall. Because when snow falls, it has a slow release, right? And over time, as it melts away, it's watering that environment, that surface. So for our family members who are stubborn to believe, right, don't want to believe the word of God, it's not our part to make them believe. We have to pray that this word of God will fall on their hearts as snow. And over time, we'll have that quick, I mean, slow release, and eventually, they will begin to see what you've been telling them. Maybe a year from now, maybe 20 years from now. Amen? We just have to trust that snow will do what it's meant to do, even though it takes time. Amen? So the word of God is consistent that way. So don't be discouraged. All you have to do is keep sharing the word of God to them. How it falls down their hearts, that's for God to determine. Will it be like water or snow? It's up to God. Amen. So let's be encouraged in our outreach when we go out. Don't push for answers, just share the word of God because it says. It will not return to him void. Yeah. No. We accomplish what he has sent it to do. Amen? Just keep sharing the word of God. So, then we have our attitudes. It says, and it did not return without watering the earth, making it to bud and flourish. So that yields seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Amen. Again, I know many of us in here are non sowers. In other words, we don't have plants or gardens in our houses, though some do have bucket gardens. Any person who depends on farming, that person loves rain. Amen. Because if God were to withhold this rain, then their livelihood is all messed up. So the sower depends on rain. But the eater is different. They love eating, but not the rain part. Amen. And many of us kind of fall in that category of the eaters. Amen. Because we all eat. Yet we don't sow. Amen. You're quiet. <laughs> we all eat, yet we don't sow. And so, it's so easy for the eaters to hate rain. We live in Seattle. It rains most of the time. And people hate rain in Seattle. They don't like it at all. <laughs> Maybe you are not miss work. <laughs> all right? And so, the idea is here is this. That The Word of God is meant for us to like because it's the livelihood. Every living thing on this planet depends on water. Amen? And so, this is the source of life. And yet some people, it's hard to even have them drink water. They need reminders. They need jars that have like markings. Drink these ounces every single hour. Right? This is true to us as well when it comes to the word of God. The many of us we know is the livelihood, is this what keeps us alive, and yet we rarely read it. We rarely study it. And somehow we think we're going to be alive. Amen. We need to love the word of God, not hate it. You cannot hate something that gives you life. That's a losing proposition. Amen? But also, there are people who are skeptical about the word of God. And they're skeptical because of perhaps their background. They've gone through challenging times. They've gone through difficult times. Right? And in the process, they almost lose hope. It's not that they doubt God Yes, their doubting is they just can't align their experience with what God is promising. And that becomes a source of their doubt. These individuals, if they're there, God said it in here. His word will always do what he has sent it to do. You may doubt it. That's up to you. But it will do what he has sent it to do. There's also another group these are also skeptical, but they are selective in their skepticism. These individuals believe some part of the word. They can stand and tell you that God's word is powerful. God's word is what keeps us alive. But when it comes to social issues over time, God's word is somehow weak. They rather vote to make a stand on something than to go to the Word of God and find out what it says. They are selective in their skepticism. And these people are really dangerous to be around. Amen? Because you don't know where they fall. Amen? So, we see that people, as people have some attitude towards the Word of God. But no matter what our attitude is towards the Word of God, he says... His word will do what he said it to do. So our attitude cannot change the veracity or the efficacy of God's word. Amen? It will always stand on its own merit. So, then we have a situation whereby we as people look at our desires and somehow misconstrue those desires to be the desires of God. Happens once in a while. Is that right? Well, we have to do a distinction. We know that sometimes our desires might align with God's word. Amen? And perhaps, in that light, they may serve as serving a purpose for God. And there's nothing wrong with that. I want to give a few examples, just kind of explain this point. King David was a man who had gone through trying times. Trying times, as in his like his life was always at, uh, at it was basically handed down. But also, he had experience with struggle. Against sin. And so in this time frame, while he was going through all this, King David searched and found that the word of God to his circumstances was like a lamp to his feet and a light to show him the way. That perception may give the purpose the word of God because really it helped him navigate the dark world was in. But God's purpose may be, may be different from the disperception. Right? Nevertheless, it all works towards the cause that God wants us to get on, and that's leading us to salvation. Apostle Paul had a young man, Timothy, who, who had become a leader of a church, inexperienced, just a youth. And so looking at this man who is inexperienced, being called upon to pastor a church, whether people are grown up other than himself, there was a struggle on how he would even communicate to them. What he would tell them. So Paul tells Timothy that all scripture is inspired by the Spirit of God. And it's good for teaching, for correction, reproof, and many other things. And the idea behind this, that as much as he was inexperienced, the word of God could fill in the gaps for him. He would go and speak to people straight, without any worry about his limitations. Because the word of God will do what God wants to do. And so the perception was, this was to encourage him. And we look at scripture in our day, and to encourage Jesus as well. Amen? Then Paul himself had struggles, struggles with sin. Spirituality was always on his mind. And in that time, Paul looks at spirituality in a sense of a warfare. We are fighting an invisible enemy. What does he do? He says, well, in this fight, we cannot win if we're going to fight with the physical approach. There has to be something that is unseen that we're going to use to fight this war. So he came up with the idea that the word of God in this struggle, spiritual warfare, is going to be a sword. Again, that's a purpose, offensive and defensive. Again, this is perceived purposes in the word of God. And they're all designed to point us on a path unto salvation and to keep us there. Nothing wrong with that. But yet we know that God's word based on what He says, it fulfills what He desires. It fulfills His purposes. He says this: um, try to find my way here. Verse nine. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. So in other words, we have a limited view of God's purpose. We cannot exhaust his thoughts. We cannot exhaust his desires. So much as we have this view that what we know is what it is, there's more to it than what we know. Amen? And so, his desires and his purpose are determined by him, not by us. Amen? 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 God is good. So, what's God's purpose? I will submit to you that this text is found in Isaiah, but God didn't begin to speak with Isaiah. God began speaking all the way from creation. So his word is not limited to this situation Isaiah. His word began with him. Amen? It began doing its purpose back then. Everything we see, the universe, was created by his own word. Amen? Then we see God creating man, and after six days, he rested. God's word achieved its purpose then. God will never speak a word that creates anything new that he didn't create before. It won't happen. His word accomplished what he sent it to do. But when he was creating man, his word did something else, His word gave man free will. Amen. And as God continues to speak, even in our day, He will not violate man's free will, but will always invite us to whatever He wants us to get to. Amen. He will never coerce man or force man to believe in Him. Again, in that regard, God's word fulfilled. It's purpose. We see God speaking again after the fall. And the first word he said was what? Called Adam. And then said, where are you? So everything that God has spoken from that point on is intended to find man and where man is. Not create something new. And he's sending his word for one purpose to cause us to go back to the very beginning before he rested, where a man was in fellowship with God. So everything he says now is built towards taking us to that place where we are in fellowship with him. So he says, the Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish. That's God's desire. Everything else is good for us. But his desire is that No one perishes. Amen. And Jesus came, who we believe is the Word of God. He came, walked this planet. He told, healed people, performed miracles, all with one end in mind: that no one perishes. He was arrested. Beat up, condemned to die, crucified, he died, rose again, and he went to be with God. God's word returned back to him. Amen. And before the word went back to God, that word accomplished what God intended it to accomplish. Amen. So what's left now is this. Man's free will is standing in the way. And God will not compromise his principles. He won't coerce man to believe in him. Amen? He says, So is my word that goes through my mouth. It will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Amen? When people speak to us, some of what they speak is good information to know. Some is asking for a response. Amen? And in this case, there's a need for us to respond to what God is saying. Our first response, in my view, is this. We have to trust God's word for what it is. Amen? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Knowing the faith that experts receive all the time, by the faith that believes that God is who he says he is, and God will do what only God can do. That kind of faith should be the foundation upon which you and I build our Christian character. Because life won't be all roses. There will be ups and downs. But that won't change God's word. Amen? So the response out of all this is for us to believe in the word of God. And to be assured that what he says will produce what he desires to do. Amen? And with that, you have no complaints. May God bless you.